Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Today I have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with Bill Cates, an old friend and the president of Referral Coach International Mm -hmm. and something new, Cates Academy. Welcome to the program, Bill. Thank you, Umar. I appreciate it. So we met a gazillion years ago when a mutual friend, uh, Dr. Wolf Rinke, said, Bill, would you please meet with Umar? And you were generous enough to take me out for lunch Mm -hmm. and sit down and give me some guidance way back when. Thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. Uh, How was lunch? (laughs) <laughs> don't remember. I remember the conversation. Don't remember lunch. I don't either. <laughs> so uh, what's amazing is uh, asking for referrals mm-hmm. can be the technically the easiest thing in the world. Right. But most people don't do it. Right. And people that do it, uh, most of them do it badly. True. And a few are gifted. And the few that are gifted can build a sales career that is significant. Mm-hmm. So, so why do you think it's so difficult for people to ask for referrals mm. yeah so it's uh, easier to it's easy to do it's easier not to do <laughs> yes uh, well there's all kinds of head trash that goes on uh, a, a few things mm-hmm. uh, some people are afraid of of uh, putting the client on the spot they have a relationship they don't want to make that person feel uncomfortable uh, they don't want to look needy on the other spectrum they yes. don't look unsuccessful needy like oh what business down that's you, that's why you're asking um, and it really comes down to a, a couple of things, and I call it having a referral mindset. Mm-hmm. So first of all, understanding the lifetime value of a, of a client or a customer is not just the business you can do with them over that lifetime. It's also who they can introduce you to over a lifetime. Which could be way more significant. Could be way more. Yeah, any, any uh, alliance, advocate, center of influence can be worth a whole lot more than any one client, depending on the nature of your business. And, you know, a lot of people just see it as risky, which is a limiting belief. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go through some of the methodology today and where they can see it doesn't have to be risky. It can be just a normal conversation you have with people. And it comes from a place of, of believing in your value. It, first of all, you know, I ask folks, uh, do you believe your value is worth sharing? And they go, well, I think it is. Well, are you getting unsolicited referrals? Well, yeah, I get a few. Okay, well, obviously some people think it's worth sharing. Right. And that's what it's about. It's it's about paying it forward, help me help others. And so let's kind of backtrack there a little yeah. bit. I would suspect if we asked uh, people, you know, do you know your value, there'd be a, a certain percentage that would say no, mm-hmm. but a vast majority would say yes. Right. And at the same time, uh, they either wouldn't believe the value that they're professing. Sometimes, yeah. And then at other times, they see themselves of a lower value mm-hmm. compared to their peers or their bosses. You know, Jane is a rock star if she just let herself mm. X, Y, Z. So why do you think there is that uh, disconnect from reality? Like, why do we see ourselves differently? Oh, it's hard to know. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. It, you know, it's like, some of it's the messages we get growing up about mm-hmm. sales, right? You know, uh, when you're young, uh, the phone rings and, uh, you know, your mother or father picks it up and the conversation lasts about, you know, five seconds. And 
who was that, Daddy? Oh, just the salesperson, you know. So we had all, all kinds of messages around that. You know, a lot of people believe that asking for help is a sign of weakness. When it's the exact opposite. Any psychologist will tell you that it's a sign of high ego strength. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, this is we're asking for help to help others. So I don't dwell too much on the cause right. of the barrier. Uh, sometimes that can be very helpful, of course, getting perspective on that. I just... I try to focus on how can we remove it, what can we do to make it easy. And, and so sometimes I found that sometimes showing people how to do it, sometimes giving them the words that they can say. Helps a lot. Oh, it helps a whole lot. It opens up the possibility. They go, oh, I, I didn't realize I could say it that way, for instance. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the uh, – I was listening to somebody that was uh, a groupie of one of these superstar basketball players. Mm-hmm. They were at some kind of camp. The guy said, you know, could I watch you do a workout? Because camp starts around about 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so he figured, you know, 5 o'clock, get there, and we'll be all set, ready to go. He got there at 4 o'clock. Is, they were supposed to start working out at 4.30, but he got there at 4 to beat the uh, superstar. And he says he was already in there Super doing stuff. Yeah. And he says all he was doing was just the basic stuff. Right. This is why are you doing basic stuff? Of course, the answer is that's why I'm a superstar is because that – and that's what you right. teach people is, hey, here is the the system that's proven, predictable. If you do this, you will grow your business. It's true. It's not rocket science. It's just I, there was a, a little book put out a long time ago, mostly in the insurance industry by a gentleman by the name of Albert Gray. Mm-hmm. And he says the su- successful people are people who, who will just do what the less successful people aren't willing to do. And he says, have you made the unconscious decision to focus on pleasurable methods rather than pleasurable results. And so when you're focused on the activity and whether it feels comfortable versus focused on the result you're trying to achieve, that's a a big shift in perspective. And quite often you you will do what maybe feels uncomfortable now, but in a little bit of doing it, it won't feel uncomfortable at all. So let me ask you, uh, do you remember where you were when you got to that section in the book? Of oh, that, oh, of that, Albert Gray, yeah. Oh well, the book is so small, Umar. Yeah. It's it's like about it's a it's a pamphlet almost. Brilliant, condensed yeah. down oh, wisdom. Oh, just it was yeah. It was the, it's called the common denominator of success? And uh, do you still have it by any chance? I I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I'll look for it online. See if it's there. Oh, you can probably find it, and you may find someone if you just looked Googled it, and you'll probably find a PDF of it somewhere because it was written like in the. You know, in the 20s, I'm sure the copyrights have expired mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, so uh, Bill, why don't you walk us through mm-hmm. your program? Like, what are the mm-hmm. things that people need to consider, and what's the process of uh, getting referrals? Sure. So uh, we've kind of covered the first part. Whenever I do a workshop or a, a, a seminar, I always start with the mindset because before we get to the strategies and tactics, if you don't have the right way of thinking, it, it won't even be no, absolutely it won't, won't matter. So think of it really almost as a, cons- a, a, a wheel, if you will, um, because it actually creates a perpetual flow. The first, and we can go deep in each one, the first one is engagement, client engagement, and that's about being referable. Yes. And generating referrals without asking and, and becoming more referable. The second one is leverage. So um, that's promoting introductions, referrals, uh, asking for introductions, and then connection and getting connected, getting introduced. And so when you create engagement 
and become more referable. And then you leverage that for some introductions. And then, so the first part of the wheel is, is engagement. And that's all about being more referable, mm-hmm. uh, becoming super referable. So you get referrals without even asking. Uh, then the second is leverage. It's promoting introductions, asking for introductions in a way that's not pushy, that's appropriate. And then connection, meaning we got to get introduced. These days, referrals, you know, the referred lead, call George, use my name, they're pretty worthless because mm-hmm. George doesn't pick up his phone. He's wondering why a friend gave his name out. So we got to get introduced. We got to get connected. So what happens is you create engagement, you leverage it, you get connected. With a new prospect, you create engagement. And then the circle just keeps going and a leverage, connection, engagement, and it's a perpetual flow. So let's get back to engagement. So yeah. walk me through an example of one of your students mm-hmm. where they started doing this and how they got engagement. Sure. So there's three uh, parts to, to the client journey or the mm-hmm. customer journey. It's what I call the, the client, the prospect experience. They're not yet a client or customer. Right. But there's that courtship of determining mm-hmm. is it a match, et cetera. Then there's the, uh, the onboarding, the, the new client or new customer experience, how you onboard them into your world and, and give them kind of a wow experience. And then there's the ongoing experience that you provide over a, a long period of time. So uh, I learned from actually one of my clients a long time ago, a guy named Mitch, uh, about the different things that he did to create the sense of engagement early on in, in the, the new prospect experience. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things he did uh, that have just stuck with me and become part of my system. So much that I've, I teach is I've learned by teaching this to others, right? And first of all, he talks about expectations in the relationship, even before the relationship is confirmed. Right. He said, you know, let's imagine that we've been working together on this project or whatever relates to the product uh, for a year. How will you know we've been successful? What's your measure of our success working together? Or if you could build a perfect financial advisor, what would be those the attributes of that person? So it's talking about expectations. And what that does, it creates a lot of trust. It's a trust-building conversation. And that's what we're trying to do quickly in the new relationship. Another thing he used to do, uh, and you know, people have been talking a lot about this lately, but I learned this from Mitch over 20 years ago, is his client-focused why why he believes in his value and sharing that with prospects even before he he finds that just by talking about who he is and what drives him and what motivates him to to bring his value uh, helps him acquire more clients because that he becomes more real to them right and that creates engagement and one study that uh, was done out of the uh, Canada this woman named Julia Littlechild is she discovered that there's a low correlation between client satisfaction and the giving of referrals. In this study, uh, satisfied clients, very loyal, but only about 20% gave referrals, but 98% of engaged clients uh, uh, provided referrals in the preceding 12 uh, 12 months. So what's an engaged client or engaged customer or an engaged prospect? Uh, is some someone who connects with your value, meaning they like the things you teach, they mm-hmm. like the questions you ask, they like your responsive service, all the value-oriented aspects of what you do, but they've also connected with you as a person. And It's that, about relationships, always has been. It always is, and that's where that why comes into play, where they get a sense of who you are as an mm-hmm. individual. Uh, and so what we're trying to do all along these stages 
is not just secure the sale or the new client, which is good if it's a good match, but we're also trying to become more referable in the process and create this sense of engagement sooner in a new relationship so we don't have to wait a long time uh, to make it happen. So Brilliant. So what's the next step? Yeah, so we've so got engagement. Yeah, we've got engagement, uh, and the next step would be leverage, and mm-hmm. there's two parts to leverage. Uh, one is promoting referrals or introductions, and let me make a distinction real quick. You're hearing me use the word referrals and introductions kind of interchangeably. Right. What's the distinction? Yeah. So a referral is, as I mentioned before, it's kind of a, a referral. Call George. Use my name. Mm-hmm. Right. George doesn't answer his phone. Doesn't work as well as it used to. Uh, so what we need today is to get introduced, uh, connected. It could be in person. It could be with an email. I call it electronic handshake. Uh, if you do any kind of uh, client appreciation events or educational events, it could be there. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to make the, the introduction, but if we don't make that happen, then odds are it's going to fall through the cracks. Right. And so for anybody listening, when you're with a client, when you're with a prospect, when you're with an advocate, a center of influence, anyone who has the ability to send people your way, use the word introductions. Make sure that that's the word you use because that's what you want. Brilliant. And that makes perfect sense because it also takes the – so here's what I understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, When someone says, use my name when you call Betty, Betty doesn't know me. person's name I'm about to mention might be out of context, like Bill Who for a moment. Right. And there's just a whole bunch of barriers. It's true. When there's an introduction, it kind of lays out the – the relationships and the reason why, hey, Bill, you're doing this, Umar's doing this. I thought exactly. it would be a good conversation to have. Exactly. So that expectations that you talked about earlier in the engagement phase kind of comes to play again because you're setting the expectations for where this relationship might go. Right. And I'll tell you, one of the best ways to promote introductions is to, is to manage the expectations around that. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things we found is one reason why a lot of folks don't give referrals is they it could be they're concerned about confidentiality depending on the nature of the work yes. you do. Uh, and they're definitely concerned about what is it going to look like? How are you going to reach out to my friend? Uh, it's an unknown. And so therefore it could be perceived as a risk. And so one of the ways to promote introductions without really asking is to manage that expectation. So if I can give it to you now. I'll give you the verbiage if you right. don't mind. Oh, please. Yeah, so to be you know very granular here, it's like this. It's Umar, you know, something I want to run by you real quick. Uh, many of our clients like to introduce the work we do to others, and I just thought that, that opportunity ever presented itself to you, it would be good for you to have a sense of how we'd handle it, what it would look like, so you'd feel comfortable. First of all, the work we do is completely confidential. They're not going to learn about your situation from me and vice versa. Setting expectations. Love it. Exactly. Confidentiality. And the other is, and, you know, we handle this sort of thing with great care, meaning uh, I'm not just going to call someone from out of the blue and surprise them and make them wonder, why did Umar get my name out to this guy? Mm -hmm. Nobody likes to get that kind of call anymore. I like to work through introductions. So if you identify one, two, three, whatever number of people that you think should be aware of what I do, We'll discuss it. We'll talk about what's the best way for you to introduce me to them so you feel comfortable, they feel comfortable, and maybe we at least pique their interest in, in hearing from me. But we'll make sure everybody's comfortable along the way. How's that sound? And you say, well, that sounds fine. So now I haven't really asked for introductions. Right. But I've, it's a, the groundwork. It's, it's a great way to promote it. It's a great nice. way to get it into the conversation. Um, 
Sometimes that turns into introductions, referrals on the spot. Sometimes you say, great, thank you, and, I appreciate and, it. And just a, a byproduct of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the way you laid it out, it shows that you care about me. Exactly. And it strengthens our relationship whether an introduction happens or not, but the caring does come through. Yeah. It, you know, we're going <clears> to <throat> handle this with care. We're going to make sure that you feel comfortable, that they feel comfortable. So we manage that expectation of what would it look like if I thought of someone. And so next time you think of someone, you realize it's a safe thing to do. So if people did this in their marriages, half <laughs> the marriages would still be married. Well, yeah, that's a that's another that's another a, another issue. But you're right. I mean, creating expectations, discussing it. So one of the killers of relationships, just to go down that path for a second, and this is true in business or mm-hmm. personal, is an unexpressed expectation that goes unmet. Mm-hmm. Right? Someone has an expectation of how we're going to be at this party we go to, or what what the business relation is going to look like. It never gets expressed, and it goes unmet, and then people are disappointed. Definitely. So as we, people bring you in to train them, and they've been doing it for a long time. 25 years I've been doing this. So let me tell you what you told me all those years ago when we met, and uh, this is when you became my hero. It was like, correct me if I'm wrong, it went something like this. Umar, I had a sales training business that was, you know, doing okay. Mm -hmm. And then what I decided to do was to double niche. What I was going to do is just teach referrals, Mm -hmm. not to the universe, Mm -hmm. but to people in the financial services industry. And that Mm -hmm. gave me the ability to have key targets. Mm -hmm. And one of my targets was the million dollar round table. And I got to speak at that event year one. So just knowing who you're going after and being relevant to them is, is critical. Oh, yeah, w- without question. I mean, the, and you're, you're alluding actually to the book that I'm writing now uh, that we'll have a chance to talk about later, but it's, it's all about getting as narrow and focused and targeted as you possibly can. And in today's world, to stand out uh, and to look a little different and to grab someone's attention, how you talk about what you do has to be more relevant to them, has to Absolutely. be more compelling to them. And so the problem that most business owners make and, the, and, and a lot of salespeople make is in their effort to make the tent a little bigger and encompass more people. They talk they, to no one. Yeah, their messaging gets weaker. Exactly mm-hmm. right. And so being very targeted uh, is very important. And so the, the way I talk about it is imagine a, an archery target. Right, and that's the industry you're going after, or maybe it could be a, a, a big business with mm-hmm. multiple opportunities, whatever that looks like. And then the bullseye is your right fit client or right fit customer, the person you were meant to serve and it was meant to meant to be served by you. And the more you can define that and get clear on that, the more you can bring that into your world. Brilliant. And the reason I kind of did that kind of foundational piece yes. is that you've been teaching referrals for a very long time. I've seen you present. One of the best speakers out there. So you get a lot of clients. So tell me about an engagement with a client. Don't say their name. Okay. But where you laid out the groundwork mm-hmm. and their execution of it fell short. Like, what are the things oh. people need to look for to, you know, really leverage what you're teaching them? So a couple, we can do it on two levels. We can do it on a level of, of a business where I've gone into a business that has a sales force, a yes. sales force. And usually where that will fall short is in the follow-up. Mm-hmm. In other words, the managers don't follow up afterwards. It's the flavor of the month. It's something that they throw a little time and money at. You know, it, from my perspective, 
Training in the system I provide referrals slash introductions is not something you did. It's something you do. Right. Just like any other training. Look at the military. Look at it's musicians ongoing. And, and, and athletes and all of that, right? So it is ongoing. But the problem is a lot of managers weren't particularly good at referrals themselves. Mm-hmm. And so a little covert contract gets created. It's like, I wasn't particularly good at this, so... I can't really hold you accountable or coach you on something I wasn't good at. And, and if I can correct you there, sure, it, it is not that I wasn't good at it. It doesn't work. That well, it's yeah, oftentimes yeah, the mindset. Exactly. And so I'm not going to force you to do something that doesn't yeah, work. It didn't work for me exactly. And so they teach what they know. Yeah. And whether you know, so I, I do remember a, a client who hired me, who in his company, when he was in sales, he he was cold calling. That's all he was doing. Mm-hmm. He hated it, and. And then he became a manager. So he started teaching what he knew, which was cold calling. But he hated it. And everybody he taught hated it. <laughs> and he finally, this light, light bulb went off. And it's like, why am I teaching something that everybody hates doing? And that's when he made a decision to create a referral culture within his business, which is what I helped him do. So that now they're doing things they like to do and it's all relationship-based and it's not just all these bad leads and cold calls and all this sort of stuff. Uh, so I put some things in place. I put some, uh, some video training and reinforcement tools in place to kind of compensate for if a client isn't going to reinforce it as well as they could, mm-hmm. at least I put some things in place. Brilliant. They'll keep that message going. So that's on the level of a business. On the level of an individual, when I have clients that I coach, for instance, it's it's the biggest place where it falls down is they're just not willing to get uncomfortable enough and it could be to practice it it could be to try it with clients who love them which is it's going to be easy and they could bumble through it and the client loves them and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. but it's just it's just the unwillingness to do what it takes to to practice and to do the actions and so now when I take on folks I say look I, you know I'm not going to be a badass, but I am going to ask you to do some things that may feel a little uncomfortable initially. Are you okay with that? I want to get that upfront agreement. Um, that doesn't always help, but most of the time it yeah. does. <laughs> You're talking about like practicing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a jazz guy, but there was this jazz great being interviewed. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's like 86 years old. The young fellow that was interviewing him was saying, basically now you know you you probably don't even have to like uh, practice. Guys, is uh, actually is my favorite four hours of the day. Mm. So even when you're masterful, to stay there and the joy of it comes from that, just practicing and rehearsing. And I guess it's the mindset that you bring to that activity. It all starts with that. It all starts your, with your beliefs and your assumptions. And and I mean, I used to be a professional musician, and what I liked about practice is that I would see myself get better incrementally, very yeah. small increments. But that's what I enjoyed about it, and then I then I would you know take that and then bring it to a performance, and you know it's kind of joyful. Bill, if people want to get a hold of you, mm-hmm. what's the best way to do that? A couple things. First of all, we have a a free e guide that that your folks can g- go get, and I'm going to put a link to that in the yeah. show notes so they can click on it right away. And but that, tell us what it yeah, is. Yeah, sure. That's uh, multiplyyourbestclients.com. Multiplyyourbestclients.com. And who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. Uh, and so it's about not just multiplying all your clients, multiplying your best clients. Yes. 
And then uh, we have a great page on our website. It's referralcoach.com forward slash resources, all lowercase, referralcoach.com forward slash resources. And a lot of free stuff, a lot of, you know, just a whole explanation of what we do. And people can tap into a lot of e-guides and Mm -hmm. audio recordings and things there. Keep in mind, this is a G-rated program. What's got you inspired? What's got you turned on right now? What are you studying right now that really... Uh, I'm playing a lot more golf this year, nice. which is good because I vowed to do that. In fact, I'm taking almost every Friday off uh, this summer and uh, in the fall. And, uh, you know, my best year financially ever, a couple years ago, I did three-day weekends almost the entire year. Let me give you a high five. Thank you. So that's that's one thing that I'm that definitely turns me on. And now sometimes my weekends shift. So I'm writing a new book, which also turns me on. And, mm-hmm. and so this past Sunday, I, it was a book writing day. So I shifted my weekend and had Friday off. I, 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 I ride cycle, uh, bicycles in the morning and then I play golf. Uh, but so the book that I'm writing, uh, it's called Radical Relevance. And mm-hmm. it's all about how we talk about our value in a way that's going to be cut through the noise and, and, and win more ideal clients. And so I'm very enthusiastic about that. And I, I probably if, if I could make it happen and I could earn the level of income I'm earning now just through writing, I would probably do that because I love taking ideas and putting them through my Synthesize and, and then distill put them out down. in a way that might be helpful for people. It's a, Brilliant. It's a, it's a fun, creative uh, process that, that does good for me and for others. Bill, thanks so much for sitting down with me, and I'm looking forward to our next podcast we'll do when the new book's coming out. Sounds good, Umar. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 